Welcome to Breaking the Couch, a weekly conversation demystifying what happens in and behind the therapy scene to support your healing journey. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Doughton, a licensed clinical professional counselor, a certified school psychologist, and a trauma specialist with Playfully Psyched. And I'm Dr. Joharchi with Soft Heart Psychology, a licensed clinical psychologist. We're here aiming to provide you with mental health tools to address the cycle of generational trauma across the age span from infancy and childhood to adulthood. For more information, visit our Instagram page at Breaking the Couch or our website, breakingthecouch.com. While we hope you love listening to and learning from our podcast, it's not a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. So Dr. Dalton, I know that we are both excited about this topic today. We want to talk about generational trauma. And you might be like, why are we excited? That's weird. Um, (laughs) The reason why is because so many things get misunderstood as, I don't know, for example, I'll just say there are times where folks have come to me with this stuck grief, this generational trauma. And they are on an antidepressant for years. And they're wondering why their antidepressant isn't supposedly working. Their antidepressant plus therapy. They're literally following evidence-based treatment. They just are like, what am I missing here? Mm -hmm. And when we're able to do that, stepping back, looking at it from that lens of generational trauma, Mm -hmm. we might see that stuck grief. We might see the trauma, um, we might see what comes up in people's telomeres and how that presents in their day to day. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of why we're excited about it because we get a chance to sort of debunk and kind of see what's back there, not just the the thing that they came in with. Yeah, I think I I definitely agree with you. And also I'm gonna take a little bit of a step back um, just to help people frame and understand generational trauma and because right? I think that some people <laughs> will know like, oh yeah. And other people are like, what the heck are they talking about? Telomeres, what? Right. Telomeres, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so kind of thinking about generational trauma and mm-hmm. it'll also be called transgenerational trauma and intergenerational trauma. That's the one I learned to use, intergenerational trauma. Okay. Those mm-hmm. are all the same, right? And I don't even know why they have different terms. I'm sure there's been some type of you know, this person produced, said this word and whatever, but um, those are three terms that pretty much are used interchangeably. And it is to describe generation that is generation. It is to describe trauma that is passed down across generations. And this can be behaviorally and biologically or genetically. And so what I mean by that is, so if we think of behaviorally, I think that this is probably the point that most people can understand most clearly. And it's that, um, say, for instance, a a grandparent, right, was raised during a wartime, right? And during that wartime, you know, things were scarce, food was scarce, um, things weren't safe, right? And so they taught their children to restrict food, to ration things out, Mm -hmm. Um, to stay off, you know, couldn't play outside, right? And they were fearful. They passed this, that level of fear down through a behavior. So like, okay, now this child who's no longer in a wartime, right? Who's now outside is safer, who now maybe has more money, 
now they still have um, financial, they feel like they don't have money. They feel like they're on the edge and, and they're unsafe, right? Because they've passed down that behavior. And then they're going to pass similar behaviors down to their child, right? Almost always this is implicit. So without them realizing or knowing that this is why I'm passing this down or that this is being passed down. So they're not like meaningfully intentionally being like, I'm going to make this person scared of money and scared of food. And exactly. No, mm-hmm. not at all. Not at all. This comes from a place of love, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just an unintentional that it is, you know, when we, when we lead with our trauma without even knowing, right. Um, it can cause harm, but it's from a place of love, meaning I want my children to be safe and protected right? and cared for. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our behavior. That's how it's trans um, transmitted behaviorally. Biologically, right? You talked about telomeres, right? Do you want to explain what that is? And if it's okay if you don't. Oh no, you've got this. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Those I'm so I'm not gonna try to I'm trying to explain it in the like simplest way possible. Basically, it's parts of a cell that in your genes that show um your aging process, right? And so you're t- and it shows up a few other things, but um we know that through trauma it can age our cells, right? And when we think about one of the most powerful things for generational trauma that stays with me is if we use um, biologically like female, um, what is that? Anatomy, right? And so if we think about the uterus and the uterine environment, right? A female who has experienced trauma, right? can in her cells will start to change the uterine environment. So her like microbiome environment in her uterus, right? Which then affects her eggs. Okay. So now we have these hundreds of unfertilized eggs, but when they become fertilized, right? So they, those, those eggs have already been affected by the trauma in some way they've been, they've been shaped, they've been changed by the trauma. And then if that female, while pregnant and gestating, is also um, experiencing more trauma, right, then that growing fetus in their uterine environment, in their eggs, in their cells, and their developing, um, you know, reproductive system is also being affected. So that trauma is passed down. And I actually do want to clarify because you know what? Not just females have these organs. So I did say females, so I was trying to think of the best way, but I actually want to be respectful of people who are transgender. Um, you know, they, they seahorse, seahorse dads, this is they're calling themselves, like they, you know, men can get pregnant. And so I do want to clarify that. Um, yeah, but that's the way it can be, trauma can be transmitted biologically or through genes, um, at least to one way. Yes. Um, thank you. That was such a great explanation. And come on. <laughs> it was an explanation for sure. <laughs> I mean, look, I, first of all, I heard about the term birthing parent from you first. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that you included that part. <clears throat> and yes, um, I first learned about the ways that these generational traumas can show up in our, in our DNA. And the cool part, how they could be healed mm-hmm. and how that could show up in our DNA. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've heard, but like Will Smith's Taylor Mayer say that he's like 30 something. Yes. Exactly. I'm like, whoa. 
That's amazing. Like that's so hopeful. That's amazing. <laughs> right. Okay. So wait, if we do this stuff that Dr. Nadine Burke Harris says, meditate, uh, do do our activities for a parasympathetic nervous system, we could show up looking like that maybe one day. <laughs> oh, there there's a lot of hope that oh, through yeah. our bodies uh, we can do some of this healing, which we've talked about in some of our other podcast episodes. Um, but yes. Oh. No, I just want to say, it reminded me of a tweet. So, oh my gosh, her her name is Dr. Jen something. If people follow me on Twitter, you can kind of go through Mm -hmm. the thread. But she's a neuroscientist, neuropsychologist, neuroscientist. um, And she tweeted something about, um, yes, trauma impacts the brain, right? Um, And like hurts the brain. But when you heal from trauma, you also heal the brain. Right. And so I was like, yes. And imagine, right, being in a position to be able to help generations of brains heal. Wow. Right. And so I tweeted that out because I'm like, exactly. The one thing I want people to know if they take away nothing else from today is that, yes, trauma can be passed down from generation to generation and trauma can be healed, right, in this generation. You don't have to keep perpetuating the cycle. Right. And healing and trauma recovery is absolutely possible if we don't wear that trauma as a label. Because mm. I am finding people doing that more, like, emp- like feeling empowered and using it as a label. But if you use it as a label, you're partially blocking the healing. Right. Because are you going to allow yourself to give up if you're empowered by the idea that you've experienced trauma or that you're traumatized? there's two different things, but then are you going to allow yourself to the point of recovery? I don't know. I don't know. I know it may be a little controversial because I know people want to like be empowered by these labels and things that they use, but I just, I have experienced trauma. I am a trauma survivor. I am in recovery. I am healing and parts of me are healed, right? And that is empowering too. So you're bringing up the facts, the data, and your lived experience. And they can't see us, but we're both (laughs) over here smiling, thinking about how brains, and like you beautifully said, generations of brains Mm -hmm. can heal. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that from all the things that we've survived as as a, you know, species, that we're going to be able to come out okay, that, that things are going to if people put in that you part, know, right, right, that you're like, wait, <laughs> do the work. If yes. people do the trauma recovery work, right, because I love your TikToks on like, wait, time isn't the answer. Time doesn't oh heal, right? <laughs> right? I love that so much. I feel like if I could put that on a shirt or something, if I could just like, maybe we should, right? We should, <laughs> <laughs> right? But I'm just like, I. I, I feel really happy and excited. I, again, I see both of us smiling right now, thinking about if folks are, are putting in that work, then we can see generations of healing, brains and bodies and spirits and all that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I love when I can do like parent-child work, right? With Even with babies, you know me, all the babies, right? Because like, oh my gosh, we can get it. We can get this generation super, super early. Right. And right. then we can get this, the, the, the grown up version as well, the grown up generation as well. And we get, we're, we've helped two generations heal. What? 
Who wouldn't right. love that work? Are you kidding me? Right. That's amazing. <laughs> well, not everybody does. I think you're like I mean, one of a couple perinatal specialists that I know. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, oh, sorry. You're going to say something. No, I was just going to bring up some of the, the times where it has been amazing for us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I remember, and, and you can, um, you know, share what you feel like sharing, but I can remember so many times where we would do bring, you know, trauma consultation cases and we would talk about the generations. And then sometimes we would get a chance to have multiple generations in the room. Mm-hmm. And that is some of the most fulfilling work, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, so I will work with, with teens and then sometimes children, sometimes adults, mm-hmm. never infants like yourself. Um, <laughs> You laugh, but you, you you already know that that's not my specialty. Um, so I would be working with somebody and they'll say, this is a behavioral issue, or this is like I used the example in the beginning, this is uh, a depression that just like won't be touched by our evidence-based approach. And when we actually get to the stories and we learn about what the person has been through, what's happened to the person it was so fulfilling to see first of all this isn't a behavioral thing this isn't a depression this is the person's trauma showing up in this way and the ways that that person is protecting from those traumas or the residual protections left from the traumas and then we get a chance sometimes uh, <laughs> to work with, you know, the person's caregiver or aunt or, you know, and then we get a chance to kind of transform some of that um, generational trauma in the ways that that shows up. And that's some of the most powerful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so many thoughts came to my mind, but you're right. It's, it's those times where somebody use kind of thinking about, I don't have two examples in my head. And we try mm-hmm. to parse this out. So if we you if we look at children, right? And so as you know, that one of the areas that I'm trained in is, is play therapy. Um, play therapy as a their institution, the one in the based in the US, they kind of look at from ages three to about 17 using play therapy, although there have been studies on play therapy from infancy through like age 90. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but when most people think of play therapy, they think of individual the therapist alone in the room with the child patient, child client, and helping that child process a lot of times it's trauma, right? A lot of times play therapy issues with trauma cases. Um, and that's great and it has its purpose and it has its place. But as you know, because of one of my training experiences, I actually, several of my training experiences and having a school psych background, I actually look at children uh, in a conceptual model of the family. And it doesn't matter what that family looks like or what the components of that family are, but children, even if they are in the foster care system, typically come with an adult, right? And so how that adult functions helps me understand what's happening with the child, right? Um, And so kind of thinking about cases where you, you get someone and they're like, this child has all these behavioral problems and they've been through this thing and there's this trauma that they've experienced, but like they should just be over it by now or can you please help? And yeah, I'm going to meet with the, the child alone, but very often I'm also going to meet with the parent alone and I want to see the parent and child or the, the caregiver and child together. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You will be, people will be blown away by some of the things that I reveal or that I learn about a family, about a child's presentation based on my alone time with a parent. Because very often there is some type of unresolved trauma in the parent's background that is having this influence on the child's present behaviors. So yes, the child has some problematic behaviors, but they're not the, the behaviors aren't the root of it. That's, you know, why are the behaviors happening is the question we're always trying to answer. What is going on that these behaviors are showing up? Because behaviors are usually, um, they start off as adaptive, like it's serving some function. And then we're like, oh, they're, they're still doing the same, the same behavior, but in a different environment. So now it's not serving the same function. Um, but learning that a parent has unresolved trauma. Okay. All right. So now we can look at this case as a parent-child case, right? Because you're, we need you to do some healing. We need parent caregiver to do some healing. That's a lot to chew on. That's a lot mm-hmm. to chew on and chew they away. They came in for anxiety. <laughs> and now we're telling them, wait, 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 go back a generation. Go back a few if you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. It's shocking for people. Mm-hmm. And though there are also times where people are like, oh, wow, I get to be involved in my child's therapy. I didn't know that that was possible. A lot of times like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even know I could do that, right? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, just think about, because, right, when it's the child in individual therapy, there's so much that we we don't tell parents because we're trying to be confidential with the child's space and process, um, their abilities to process. Mm-hmm. But if they're both in the room, right, if we're giving the opportunities for them to process together, to heal together, right, then the, then the only thing that's being confidential, right, is the information to the outside world. So that the parent then can see and understand where the child is coming from in real time. Um, but I think those are those are super fun. And I was just like, wow, those are the ones that do make me think like, hmm, I wonder what a different approach from the last therapist would have, how that might have changed or how that might have like helped support you earlier or those sorts of things. So not to blame the other person, but just like, I wonder, right? My wondering. Um, yeah, I think I don't, I have another example, but I want you to be able to like chime in here. I don't want to take all this. Well, yeah, I, I'm just right there with you as far as like feeling a little bit curious about what if we wouldn't have just focused on like, for example, um, you remembering your backpack, you remembering your homework, you, you know, whatever behaviors show up in school, right? And which I get it, that gets you in the door, that gets you the things that you needed to be able to come to us. And then we get a chance to like, maybe look at it a little bit differently, Mm -hmm. maybe get a chance to see what the child has seen, what's happened to them, what they've survived, and then so on and so forth through the generations. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, And then you talked about before, excuse me, where, you know, people will come in with, I think these are the just, funny to us as therapists, right? But people will come and they'll say, yeah, I'm really struggling with work, right? I'm having, you know, anxiety attacks um, about work and that's all I want to work on. And I'm fine. My, my life has been fine. My upbringing is fine. I don't have any trauma. Everything's fine. And then we have them do, earlier you said, um, or I think in the previous episode, you might've talked about ACE. So 
adverse childhood ex experiences scores. We'll look at trauma or adverse experiences they've experienced from birth to age 18. And then I think we both do an adult one to an adult trauma scale to see what that looks like. But they'll do that and they've like identified five, six, seven, eight, nine things. You're like, oh, they don't even, they're not even registering that that, that is that could be a trauma for them. Um, but they'll come in with this like work issue and then you'll learn all of these things in their history, the ways that they were parented that could be really harmful. Um, and you're like, oh, okay. So these anxiety attacks at work don't really have anything to do with work. Yes, work is reminding your body, your cells, mm -hmm. right, of this previously lived experience or trauma um, or reminding you of how you were treated in your upbringing because of how your parents were treated in their upbringing and so on and so on and so on. So we need to go back and heal that stuff mm -hmm. in order for these anxiety attacks at work to go away. Yes, 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 and yes. Uh, sometimes people will get sick of me because they'll be like, okay, like I came to you for this panic attack and now you opened up this whole other area and they'll still come back. They'll know that, you know, mm -hmm. but here I am reflecting and mirroring something for them that they didn't know was a thing. And so that could be hard to, again, like I said, chew on. It could be really hard to digest that, um, yes, maybe you grew up with X, Y, or Z supports or resources, and maybe you didn't have access to this other component of nurturing that you needed, mm -hmm. or maybe you didn't get all that you needed from society or from a caregiver and how can we look at that in a really non-blameful way mm -hmm. you know because a lot of times folks will say hey listen you're touching something and I want you to know that is absolutely true and my mom and I have a great relationship now mm -hmm. and so I'm like yeah we're never going to be in here <laughs> talking negatively about a caregiver or something like that. What we are going to do is take a really non-shameful, non-blameful look at what happened. Mm -hmm. And then we get a chance to have this expansive compassion for what happened to them too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of going back mm -hmm. um, throughout the generations, again, that generational trauma. And then we get a more, and what I found as a more connected, more present, more honest generational connection. Yeah. I'm going to say that that's hard. What you've brought up is, is something that is very common where people are, first of all, you said that it can be hard to chew on, difficult, and absolutely, it's scary. Mm -hmm. You've opened up the this unknown, right? I had no, I was walking through my life blissfully thinking that it's just work trauma. Yep. And you're telling me that something happened to me when I was four years old or the fact that what in the world, like, how do I deal with that? Right. Mm -hmm. So absolutely it is scary. Um, and so we have to hold space for that too. But that other piece, I like the way you said it. I don't think I say that in that way, but you're like, we're not, you know, when they're worried about ruining their relationship that they have with the caregiver um, in the present, because we're going back to understanding the caregiver, the caregiver that they had in the past. And you said, we're not going to be in here talking negatively about that person. I think that's beautiful because I don't know if I, I definitely don't say that. And I'm like, do I believe that? Like, do we sometimes talk negatively about that parent? Yes. And I still try to help them hold compassion. 
Hmm. that they did that. But sometimes what I want them to do is I want their little self, their younger self to voice what they needed to voice, to express what they needed to express. And sometimes that might be, you know, mommy, you weren't there for me. Mm-hmm. Dad, how could you do that to me or say that to me or leave me? How parents, grandparents, auntie, how could you not protect me? Right. Sometimes that we need them to voice that, to be able to hear that from themselves. And I do say that this isn't to erase the beautiful relationship that you have with your parent. This isn't to, you don't have to go to them and address these things directly with them. Um, But if your younger self needs to be able to say Mm -hmm. those things, we need to hold space. So one of the things that I do tell people is let's put it out in the open right now, how much you love this person who did this thing to you or who wasn't, didn't show up for you. Let's say it, let's say we love them. How let's talk about all the great things about them. And I do that and I tell them why I said, I want us to do this because you're going to have this urge every single time a hard thing comes up, you're going to want to say the, but, but she was really there for me or, but there were these times where he did this and they, you're, you're going to try their best or, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and I just say, I know that and we will get to, like, I already know. I want you to know that I know how much you love them. I know how special they are. I know all those things. And in this space, right? And I know, I also talk about, especially working with um, people of color, Black people specifically, uh, we have this, our parents are on pedestals. Our parents are Mm -hmm. almost spiritual, godly-like. Like, we don't say negative, you don't say negative things about them. You hold them with such high esteem and respect. And so it feels viscerally wrong to say negative things out loud. You can think what you need to think, but out loud to someone else that's A, that's not even family, right? And so you have this like, I can't say that. I'm not able to say that. It's not okay. I have to then follow up with how strong, great, all the sacrifices that they made. I'm here because of them. I have to. And I will say, I know culturally, that's what it's telling me to do. But right in this space, this is the one space we don't have to do that, right? Not right now, because we can build the compassion back up if we need to for them, right? As you talked about that beautiful, like looking at the layers of compassion and what they went through. Absolutely. But when we start there, this is not how I look at trauma. When we start there, what are we doing to younger you? We're essentially gaslighting younger you Mm -hmm. to say, because of these layers, what happened to you didn't matter. And so I want them to know, ah, 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 yes, these layers are so important. But for now, our focus is what happened to you. You are the most important thing in this room right now. That is what we need to hold on to. That is what we need to help you resolve. And then we'll make room and space. And I would say that that's probably the hardest piece. I think that is because people will be like, well, why do I have to do that? You know, because it's that barrier. Why do I have to like dredge up? what was hard if I'm okay now and then we kind of go back to what are you okay now right so they came in for work stuff or whatever right Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. here's a way that my fear of authority figure shows up at you know in my relationship or whatever right so they come Mm -hmm. in for this and then here we are 
validating their little one and what they've been through. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, like you said, a way that's going to unify their inner story and unify like the ways that they feel, help them feel heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're right. It's not like negative or not negative. It's, uh, I love what you said. It's not about that. It's about helping them feel heard and not doing it in a way like, oh yeah, she sucked and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like (laughs) we're not doing that. Um, You can go to like a neighbor for that, Mm -hmm. which is fine, but that's not what we're talking about. So when somebody is validated and heard in that way, I do feel like there's a lot of space and possibility for the ways that they can get their initial question answered about mm-hmm. the relationship or work or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. then they're like showing up in this whole other way in their life where that fear of authority isn't um, silencing them in their relationship or mm-hmm. is allowing them to just be their authentic self at work or whatever kind of they came in with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I also just want to say that I want people to know, I want listeners to know that especially with trauma, it happens regardless in therapy, but especially with trauma, sometimes your symptoms get a little worse or a lot worse before, right before they get better. And it's because we might be dredging up this traumatic experience or these traumatic experiences that you have either purposely or inadvertently tried to push away and not address. And now here it all is all at the surface, right? And that is uncomfortable, that it's painful. It can be ugly, right? And if you continue with that work, healing is on the horizon. That, that is my take. That is a takeaway that I want people to have. Like, because so often people pause there. They pause when it's hard. They stop. They give up. You're a horrible therapist, or I'm never going to do this again. Are you going to make me all those things? And it's like, just hang in a little bit longer. Right. You're almost at the goal mine. Like, almost there. Um, but yeah, generational trauma is. As you said at the beginning, something that makes us smile because we can be helping people heal generations. And it's hard work on everybody's part. It's not easy for anybody. Yeah. And I'm really happy that you brought up the, you know, it gets, it can for some people get worse before it gets better too, because, you know, I I like to think of it as physical therapy or something, right? Mm -hmm. So, I'm doing my physical therapy for my hip pain and my PT, my physical therapist wants me to get that area pretty much buff so that it doesn't hurt so much. Right. Mm-hmm. And in that meantime, as I'm getting that area strengthened and strong, it hurts and yep. I'm having to do a lot of stretches. So I'm literally stretching, growing, strengthening this area so <laughs> that I can reduce my pain later. So it's like, yep. wait, pain uh-huh. to get less pain. What? Yep. Uh-huh. Growing pains. We were talking about this the other day. Absolutely. You were. We were. It, because I remember physical growing pains. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had this, but I, mm-hmm. I've i been the same height. I'm, I'm pretty much 5'8". Um, mm-hmm. And I've been this height since I was like 10 or 11 years old. So I had like a growth spurt and then I you know, stopped shortly thereafter. Um, and because of that, my knees and my elbows, my joints, that because they were growing, my bones, I would tell my mom, my bones hurt. Oh. Like, I remember back then, yeah. I think now there's like 
icy hot. But I remember like, I was like, I want Ben Gay because I've seen commercials. I was like, I need, mm-hmm. like, I need Ben Gay because it was like your, for your, bo- your bones and your joints. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> but it hurt so bad to grow. Right. Trauma is like that. Uh, healing is like that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful example you gave with PT, right? You're, you're, it, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel comfortable. It hurts. In the long run, it will feel better. Mm-hmm. You'll be out there jogging or whatever you need to do with your hips. Um, <laughs> and you'll be better for it. Um, mm-hmm. In the meantime, though, it's super painful. It could be painful. So, and uh, as far as for me, unless there's something more, you know, I'll just be cheesy as we exit for today. You know, let's scratch oh, in, <laughs> right? You already know where this is going. I don't know. <laughs> Your cheesiness, let's see. <laughs> let's stretch in to those those growth pains, and, and you know, we'll we'll definitely see you through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. And lead, yeah, stretch into them, and know that you can ground yourself afterwards. Right. That's right. There you go. All right. This has been a great talk. I think it probably went a little long today, but I really enjoyed this. And um, again, if you have questions, if you want to learn more about this, you can find this in our different social media accounts. But then also you'll be able to call in soon um, with questions. So we're going to be setting that up. Oh, it's been great. really exciting talking to you, Dr. Doherty. I can't wait till next week. Same here, Dr. Dalton. This was great. All right. See you again. <laughs> See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. If you are looking for a therapist for yourself or your child, you can visit our websites, playfullypsych.com or softheartpsychology.com. We appreciate you joining us this week and can't wait till there's another opportunity to jump on the couch with you next week.